Amen. I invite you to open a Bible with me to Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 1. While you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome, especially to those of you who are guests with us, and express my thanks for the opportunity to be able to see so many of you this morning. Thank you for the way that you have worshipped this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to join with creation and with millions upon millions of angels around the throne of God as we have been able to sing together, Holy, Holy, Holy. What an awesome privilege. If you are not in the habit of following along in your bulletin this morning with a pen, could I give you a little bit of encouragement to do that, especially on the back end of our sermon this morning? I would like to issue a call this morning. Sermons take different forms. This great opportunity as we gather together on the first day of the week to to drink deeply from God's Word, to drink deeply from the, the living water and partake of the bread of life that has been preserved for us. There are a variety of ways that Scripture is used, even within Scripture. This morning, I'd encourage you to think of our time together as a call, as a reminder to pray, as a little bit of explanation as to why we ought to pray, as a personal encouragement to you to pray, as a challenge this morning to pray. I love how our services opened this morning using Psalm 116. I'll just remind you of the first two verses of that where the psalmist leads people for ages afterward, all the way down to this morning, in saying, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice. And my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. What if we took that seriously this morning? What if we adopted Psalm 116 verses 1 and 2 as the the posture of our hearts and the, the setting of our minds? What if we treated this morning as an authentic, personal call to pray and then we, you and me, personally, individually, we devoted ourselves this week to serious intentional, fervent prayer. I don't know how you would describe in just one word the last 18 or 19 months of this year, or the last couple of years now. 
I'll tell you the word that I think probably I have used the most. And the word that I have heard many of you use to describe the last year and a half. And that word is heavy. This has been a heavy stretch of time. And all the way up to this morning, things are heavy. Things are heavy in the world around us. Things are heavy this morning in our nation. Things are heavy this morning right here in our community. On college campuses, and high school, and junior high, and middle school, and elementary, primary school campuses. There are a variety of really heavy things right now in our own church family. I'm guessing you wouldn't have to think very long about what is heavy, feels heavy in the atmosphere of your own home, your own individual life. What if we recognized that this morning, recognized as we have been reminded in so many ways over the course of the last year and a half, we are not the first. These are not unique, truly unprecedented times. On this side of Genesis 3, the world has been heavy for a very, very long time. But what if this morning as disciples of Jesus have gathered together all over the world, we we resolved anew, you resolved anew, in spite of the heaviness. Maybe what will get even heavier this week, we do not know. But come what may, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to abandon my post. I'm not going to leave my family. I'm not going to walk away from my marriage. And I'm not going to sink. I'm not going to give in to the way that this world that does not know God so often seeks to handle the heaviness. I'm going to drink or I'm going to smoke or I'm going to ingest whatever it is that I've got to do in order to just escape for a little while. And all around me there are these things that make a promise that if I just walk down this path that the, the, the heaviness will leave for a little while. And then it always comes back. Oftentimes heavier than when it left. And so I'm not going to sink. I'm not going to drown in and revel in what this world drowns and revels in. And I'm not going to lash out. I'm not going to turn the frustrations and the disappointments and the anxieties that swirl in my own heart and at times feel just like a heavy, heavy flood. I'm not going to turn those into a weapon this week. Against other people created in the image of God. 
especially against my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not going to lash out, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop following Jesus. I'm not going to stop walking by the Spirit. I'm not going to stop serving as a member of Christ's body. No, it's heavy all around me. It's heavy perhaps in my own life and in my own heart. But I'm going to keep learning, for instance, from Nehemiah. Is your Bible open there? To Nehemiah chapter 1. What an ancient invitation and reminder and encouragement of how to deal with really heavy times. In Nehemiah chapter 1, Hopefully you know by now, this has been at the heartbeat of our our congregational focus for this year. Nehemiah gets devastating news about the state of his homeland. And it just feels heavy. And he doesn't run, he doesn't lash out, he, he, he doesn't sink, he doesn't stop. He flexes this knee-jerk reaction to pray. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive. What if I remembered those words and adopted those as my own this week? Let your ear be attentive. Let your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. That's who I am this morning. And so I'm not going to abandon my spiritual post. I'm not going to stop walking with the Spirit I'm not going to sink. I am the Lord's servant. And sometimes in the lives of the Lord's servants, things feel very heavy. What if I followed this example? What if in the next chapter, Nehemiah chapter 2, I hear Nehemiah as it is documented for us, the king, the The most powerful man on the face of the earth at that point asks Nehemiah, what do you want? What if I took seriously this morning the challenge of developing and strengthening and flexing that knee-jerk reaction to pray before I open my mouth, before I type a comment, Before I share, before I vent, before I lash out. What if I I flexed that knee-jerk reaction to pray? The king wants to know what I'm requesting, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Or in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 9, we read about difficult, godless 
hateful people all around Nehemiah and all around his countrymen. And Nehemiah couldn't snap his fingers and make them go away. He couldn't wish them away. They were a present reality in his life. And in fact, they were some of the ones who were making life heavier on Nehemiah. And so what does he do? Now, O God, strengthen my hands. From chapter 1 to chapter 13, last verse of the book ends with a prayer. Remember me, O my God, for good. I hope that just in that brief reminder you see these are not long prayers. These are not wordy prayers. You want to boil these basic prayers down into just a few words? It's help. Help me, God. Things are really heavy right now. Help me answer with wisdom. This is a really important, pivotal moment. Strengthen me. Remember me. What if I, rather than following, taking my cue, just going with the flow of the world this week, what if I took Jesus' invitation Seriously, can you open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11? What if I listened to these words and I, I allowed them to settle on my heart? Not just as religious words, Bible words that I hear recited or read every once in a while. But what if I listened to these words and allowed them to settle on my heart as if Jesus is speaking to me? It's just me and Jesus. And he is saying these words to me. What an opportunity opens up. And even before I read Matthew 11, I want you to see distress is not a disqualification from following Jesus, listening to Jesus, praying in the name of Jesus. Fear is not a disqualification. Despair is not a disqualification. Discouragement is not a disqualification. Uncertainty, this feeling of heaviness is not a disqualification from following Jesus this morning. In fact, it's an opportunity. Let's take his word for it. Look at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Jesus' words to you this morning. Come to me. All who labor, And are heavy. Heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. 
And maybe my knee-jerk reaction to that is, you mean you want me to add more on what is already heavy on my shoulders and in my heart. Here's the beautiful thing. You take Jesus at His word. And things get less heavy. You take Jesus at His word. And things get less heavy. Because no longer are you the one trying to carry it all. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know how Jesus made a direct connection between this powerful principle, this powerful invitation and what I can do on a Sunday morning or a a Monday afternoon or a Tuesday night? Over and over and over again, He taught us to pray. In Luke chapter 18, he gives an entire parable to people who just feel heavy, feel as if the world around them and the people around them and the circumstances around them that they, that they can't change is just heavy. And so what did Jesus, what did he say to do? Don't lose heart. Always pray. Let me See something with you in Romans chapter 10. If you would open your Bible back there. Romans chapter 10. There are always a variety of ways to answer the question. Well, what is prayer? I don't know how you would answer that if if you were just asked in a few words. What does it mean to pray? What is prayer? Could I suggest to you the next time you're wondering, chewing on that, or you, you get asked that, to remember Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Prayer is our opportunity to communicate the things on our hearts to the infinite mind of God. Where do we get that? Look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire for them, for Israel, for his fellow people, is that they may be saved. That's what was on Paul's heart. My heart's desire. One of the reasons that I work, one of the reasons that I stay up at night, one of the reasons that I feel great anxiety, one of the reasons that I just keep pushing, even though things around me are very, very heavy and and there are people trying to get me to stop. My heart's desire is that my fellow Israelites would be saved. And so what does Paul do with what is on his heart? What an opportunity this week. As I not only see, but I feel the brokenness of the world all around me. As I feel maybe like the shadows are darker and deeper than they have been in a very long time. And I just don't know what to do. But my heart feels heavy. Pray. Pray to the God who hears. Psalm 
18, verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Pray to the God who hears. Psalm 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. What an awesome reminder for us here on this Lord's Day. When our eyes and our ears have been pulled and pushed and tugged in all sorts of different directions that, that make our hearts just feel heavy this past week. Maybe to the point of, of breaking. What am I going to do with that? I'm not going to run and I'm not going to sink and I'm not going to try and cope with the, the foolish mechanisms of this world and I'm not going to lash out and I'm not going to stop. But I am going to pray to the eyes of the one who sees the righteous. The ears of the one who are open to their cry. We'll read in just a moment from Hebrews chapter 4 if you would like to turn back there. What am I going to do? I have this opportunity to communicate the things that are on my heart to the infinite mind of God. The God who hears and I've been given this opportunity in the name of the one who holds all things together. What a powerful reminder as I dedicate the next several days to fervent, heartfelt, intentional prayer. I am praying in the name of the one by whom all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things I know were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. That's the one in whose name I'm being invited to pray. And because of His blood that was shed for my sins, I am being invited to draw near to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, look at verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We're not going to run. We're not going to sink. We're not going to lash out. We're not going to stop. We're going to hold fast our confession. And here's why. Here's how. We don't have... A high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Does Jesus understand heavy? Absolutely he does. Yet without sin. And so the invitation. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Go with me quickly to Romans chapter 8. What about when things just feel so heavy that I don't even know what 
to pray for. I don't even know how to begin. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Son is not our only helper. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. There is one verse I'm really thankful is in the Bible this morning. We don't even know what to pray for as we ought. But we are not sent off and told to figure it out, get our acts together, get our minds straight, get our priorities in line. What we are simply encouraged and invited to do over and over again. Talk to the infinite God about what's on your heart. And trust that as you do, the Spirit Himself is going to intercede for you with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so as that begins to settle in my mind, you look down at verse 31, and this is the solid ground on which I find myself in the midst of all sorts of floods and all sorts of earthquakes and all sorts of uncertainties all around me. This is the bedrock. This is why we've gathered to worship on this, the Lord's day. Who shall, or what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. If all of this is true, why wouldn't I pray? With confidence, who's going to separate me from the love of Christ? You want to talk about heavy times? 2,000 years ago, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Paul is able to reach back centuries before and say, we're not the first. And this is what we're feeling right now. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You talk about heavy times. Those were heavy times. But even if all of that were to descend upon us right here and right now this week, do you know how solid this ground is? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And so whether it's death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, there isn't anything in all of creation that is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so do you know what we're being challenged to do? Go with me to Philippians chapter 4 where we'll read in just a moment. This is our opportunity. This is my opportunity and your opportunity this morning. Let's get our minds set 
we're going to reject the look-within wisdom of this age. Things feel heavy. The best, most inspiring answer that this world can possibly come up with, with the most beautifully artistic, creative minds in the world, the best we can come up with apart from God is look within. When everything around you is swirling and you just don't know whether or not you're going to be able to deal with the heaviness, look within. It's the best we can come up with it. Don't believe me? Let's talk Disney afterwards and I'll prove it to you. The best we can come up with is look within. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, That's not the best answer there is. We don't have all of the answers. We'll be in Philippians in just a moment. I I love the, the powerful brief example in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where we've got a king in Judah who is just surrounded by all of these foreign empires. They're they're ready, raising up for battle and some come and tell the king, a great multitude is coming against you. It was a heavy time and the king was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. In the midst of a whole lot of kings who looked within, Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. In verse 12, he prayed, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless. We look within, we're powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And so we're going to reject the look within wisdom of this age. We're going to readily acknowledge. We don't have all of the answers. But Philippians chapter 4, you look at verse 4. This is what we're going to do. We're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Really? Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You're not going to run. You're not going to sink. You're not going to lash out. You're not going to stop. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Everything? Everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One other verse. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What if I took that seriously? What if I personally responded to that invitation? 
I'm not going to answer for the Lord, and I'm not going to answer for you, but I want to lean on 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and suggest maybe, maybe that's where I discover all over again. Maybe for the first time, maybe for a fresh time this week, that God's grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Paul describes a heavy time in his life. It would have been easy for him to grow conceited. He was on the cusp of incredibly great revelations from God that were to equip him to share this good news. And in the midst of it all, a thorn was given to him in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass him, to keep him from being conceited. Three times... I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. And it didn't leave. It didn't stop. We don't know how long it lasted. Maybe it lasted for the rest of his life. But this is what he discovered. My grace is sufficient. For you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What sort of weaknesses are we talking about? Insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. Heavy times. Insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. But prayer was where Paul discovered anew God's grace is sufficient. I hold to his unchanging hand. I lean on his everlasting arms. And the risen Christ is not daunted or intimidated by what I'm going through. He's not annoyed when I cry out to him again and again and again. And so could I invite you, could I challenge you to take this with you and let's make this the week in our lives where we pray more, more heartfelt, more fervently, with more faith than we have ever prayed before. I mean, what could we put up here in this big empty space and extend to you that would be worth more than that? Any vacation in any, any spot of the world, For the next week. Amazing. What car could we wheel in here? What deed could we give you that would be worth more than this week? I'm going to connect my heart and the heaviness that is all around and perhaps within my heart to the infinite mind and heart of God. 
where do we begin? Could I offer some basic suggestions? Would you spend some serious time right along with me this week praying for your heart? Let's make sure that our hearts are where they need to be. And so maybe that's God, help me, help me see. You're, you're the greatest treasure of all. And I don't always realize that. Help me align the affections of my heart with yours. I, I want to see as you see so that I can do as you say. Let's pray for, for our hearts. And then tomorrow, could I challenge you and invite you to pray for the sick of our church family by name? Don't know where to begin? There is a long list on the back of your bulletin this morning. If you're watching via live stream and you're a member of our church family, we're going to send you an email. If you did not get the, the bulletin today, we want to make sure that those names are in your hands this week. Let's pray by name. There is cancer on that list. There is COVID on that list. There are recent and upcoming surgeries on that list. There are people in nursing homes and assisted living situations and shut-ins. There are chronic and ongoing issues. Let's devote tomorrow to praying for those people by name. And then Tuesday, would you join me in praying for our world? From Afghanistan to Haiti to Washington, D.C., to the states of Indiana and Kentucky. Our world is in desperate need of prayer. And on Wednesday, could I invite you and challenge you to pray for our shepherds. And thank God for them and pray for their endurance. Pray for their decisions. Pray for their family. No 18-month stretch in my lifetime has been like this one for those trying to make wise decisions for the good of others and the glory of God. They need our prayers. Thursday, could I invite you to pray right along with me for our community. Let's make it even more specific and local. From the streets of our cities and towns, to our schools and our school boards and our teachers and our administrators and our children and those who are learning at home and our homes in general. Let's not run and let's not lash out and let's not sink and let's not stop. Let's pray for the heavy situations all around us. And on Friday, could I encourage you to pray for the future of our church family? In the midst of all of this, there are so many exciting and encouraging things going on in the life of our church family. Newlyweds and a whole host of young people who are engaged and new parents and teenagers and those who have just left for college and those who have just arrived for college locally. Let's pray for our Bible class teachers and our senior saints and all around us. Let's just pray about us and that God would be with us and bless our future. And then Saturday... Before, if the Lord wills, we gather back in this place. 
Let's listen to Jesus. And let's even pray for our enemies. You remember how he challenged us like that in the Sermon on the Mount? That that before we bring our offering that we think about our own hearts and the hearts of the people around us. Let's dare not gather again on a Lord's Day without first praying for those who would consider themselves as our enemies, maybe those we feel deep down it's just really hard to think anything nice about them at all. And in fact, there's something deep down in me that I'm afraid would be happy if life for them got heavier. I want you to listen to me very carefully this morning. There is nothing more antithetical, nothing more opposite of following Jesus than rejoicing at the downfall of our enemies. This world is in desperate need of prayer. I am in desperate need of prayer. And if we will follow this simple pattern, two things will happen. We will be ready, Lord willing, with hearts well prepared as someone stands up here next Sunday morning and reads to us from Psalm 118 verse 5. This will have been us because this is what we will have done this Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. Lord willing, one week from this evening, August 29th, we're going to devote our entire evening service to songs about prayer and very specific prayers for what is going on in our lives and the lives of so many others. What a great way to cap off seven days of serious, intentional, fervent prayer. What a great way to be the church of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's take those words seriously. And this morning before we stand and sing this invitation song, if you realize there is a serious kink between you and your Creator, now's the time to take care of that. If you know that God's Word says that His hand is not so short that it cannot save, or His ear is not so heavy that it cannot hear, but your sins have created this separation between you and your God and And you know that you should have responded to his gracious invitation a long time ago. Why not right here, right now? If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins, if you need us to pray with you and for you this morning so that your heart as you leave here is open, clean, pure in the sight of God. That's why we sing this invitation song. If we can help you, would you let us know how by coming to the front up here while we stand and sing together.